Hey there, welcome to the Content Career Show, where content marketers share their career paths, the lessons they've learned, and tips for carving out a successful and meaningful career in content. I'm your host, John Gitlin, and today we've got Diego Gragley on our show. Diego is currently a content designer at Netflix, and prior to that, he's held a wide range of roles. For example, he was a content strategist at SurveyMonkey, a correspondent at Univision, an editor at the Associated Press, as well as a contributor to the New York Daily News. During our conversation, uh, we covered a bunch of topics. Diego shared how he broke into content design, some of the things that he and his team work on, what young writers can do to build up their skills and discover their niche within content, and much, much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Diego. All right, Diego, welcome to the Content Career Show. Thank you so much, John. Happy to be here. So um, you've had an awesome career, um, worked in all kinds of disciplines within content and journalism, but I was just hoping uh, you could help our listeners understand maybe some of the, the the roles you've had in the recent years and kind of leading up to where you are today. Yeah. Um, thank you for saying that, first of all. Uh, I had, uh, yeah, quite a few fun roles. And in the last few years, um, I've been working uh, in different disciplines within the larger content uh, field. And so when you and I met, we I, I was working as a content strategist at SurveyMonkey. Um, and so that involved more of a marketing and uh, brand work. And when I was doing that, I found the UX writing field uh, through a few projects that I did. And I found it super fun and interesting. And so I started looking for opportunities to switch into that. And that's uh, at that time, uh, a Netflix recruiter found me uh, about a content design position. And so I, I switched to content design. That was over three years ago. And I'm super happy with the with the switch uh, because, of course, content design is way more focused on UX copy in, in uh, product strategy and so on. And I find it uh, super fun for me. Nice. That's awesome. And can you tell me maybe just for the listeners who aren't super familiar with content design. And I think it, it seems maybe more of a, an emerging kind of field, or maybe I'm wrong there, but um, can you maybe walk us through like what a day in the life looks like for you and, and maybe for other content designers? Yeah, for sure. So uh, first from a broad perspective, uh, what's more new is the name, I would say. The discipline has been around for a couple of decades, maybe first a few companies that, realized that their products needed writers to uh, speak to their consumers, to their end users. And, um, you know, initially the name was UX writing because uh, these writers were providing the copy for user experiences, right? Uh, But as the discipline has evolved and uh, the teams have realized how much more there is in the work than just writing copy, uh, that's how the content design uh, label started being uh, adopted by more teams and more companies. And so uh, what we do, it's a, it's a combination of um, sometimes user research, sometimes uh, product strategy, sometimes uh, um, a little bit of design. And uh, I'll get more into, in detail into the daily job uh, after this. But basically, we do the content strategy for a screen that a user is going to interact with, and then we write the copy. And so as you see, there's a lot of different uh, steps and um, 
skills that are involved in what's uh, known as content design. And so in a in my work as a content designer, what I've done is uh, be paired with a product designer, uh, the person who does the visual part of the design, try to work as much as possible in co-designing experiences. So if uh, if you can, and this is always a, a question because uh, content designers don't always feel included in those conversations, but if you can uh, be at, uh, involved in the design from the early stage, from the first wireframes, from the first drafts of what the experience is going to look like, then you work uh, a little more in, in the information architecture, deciding uh, what copy elements are going to be on the screen, what you're going to need to to write, and then you start playing with copy actually, and you know trying out variants and uh, uh, checking out different options for tone for voice to see how the same experience would feel said in different ways. And um, basically that's the, the core of the discipline, I would say, but there's a lot more involved in, depending on the size of the company, you might be doing your own research. You might be working with the data teams to understand how uh, your tests or experiences are doing and so on. So it can be super broad or it can be a little more narrow. It's really interesting. And so, uh, this is, you mentioned running a lot of experiments and like, obviously like these are kind of weird economic times. Like, how do you, like, what are like the KPIs that you're measured against? Like, how do you like showcase the value of your work and like make sure that you continue to get investment and, and all that? Yeah. It's very interesting because we as writers want to think that copy is really key to metrics and that doesn't always track so directly. Uh, I have uh, run experiments where I tried very different uh, tone variants for one screen, let's say, one that's more uh, helpful and tactical and just helping the consumer do what they are trying to do in the moment. And uh, maybe another cell in the same test where you try a, a warmer tone of voice with maybe some kind of complicity, a wink, a joke, something that's going to make make them engage more and remember what uh, this experience. And uh, sometimes you don't see a very clear metrics difference between the two. So um, you have to know which canvas, which part of an experience is uh, sensitive to a, a copy change. And for example, one area in which uh, content designers test a lot is changing the copy for a CTA button, right? For a call to action. So that uh, to see if people will click more on one or the other, whether the button says get started or subscribe now or let's go, right? So those are different examples of tone of voice and of how much information we're giving and how clear the action is. And uh, th that's a, uh, a place where you're more, more likely to see results that vary according to the copy that you provide. So you have to be a little bit smart about where to test copy and to know where not to invest your own time in testing things that are not going to make such a big difference. Mm, that's interesting. And do you, I, you guys like show your results to like leadership, like on like a monthly basis? Like, how do you guys like make sure that your like results get out there and like it's known that you're really delivering like these cool results from these, you know, CTAs and all these other things you're doing? I think it's important to, it varies uh, company by company, team by team. Um, I think it's important for content designers to work on their own hypothesis. 
so that before a test is run, you know what you're testing and what your expectations are of what could happen. Uh, for example, going back to the, that example that I was giving, you have a hypothesis that says uh, having a warmer CTA is going to lead more consumers to click through because they feel more connected to the brand. You know, this I'm, I'm making it up as I go. Uh, and so when you get the results back from that test, you're going to go and check that cell, the one that has the warmer CTA, and see if it actually had more click through than the the, the more the, um, standard one, the, the one that I called tactical or, or helpful. And so you can compare that way. And um, just thinking about it beforehand and providing a hypothesis helps you show that content design is thinking about these things and trying to move uh, metrics. And in, 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 therefore, leadership can see that you are adding value to the to the process, right? That you're bringing in a, a unique perspective that other disciplines are not going to have. And uh, that's going to showcase your value as a discipline and, you know, maybe even get metrics wins, which of course everyone's trying to, to get. Yeah, that's super cool. And how did you like learn to do all this? Like how did you learn to create these experimentation docs? And how did you like get in the, your foot in the door with, at SurveyMonkey? Like how did, how did this all kind of come together for you? And how were you able to kind of roll with it? Yeah, that's very funny because, um, you know, I was a journalist for 20 years in three different countries. I started out in Argentina, where I'm from. I, I lived in New York for many years. I, I did journalism there in New Jersey. Then I went to Mexico City for a bunch of years. And eventually I found my way to California, very close to Silicon Valley. And so uh, at the time when the media industry was pretty much on its last legs for, for many of us, uh, I had to make the choice to just go look for a job in tech, which was the big industry next door to me. And where, uh, you know, it was easier to make a living than as a journalist at that time. And this was about seven, eight years ago. And so uh, I actually did a lot of research and I talked to recruiters and staffing agencies and stuff like that to figure out how to use my skills because I knew I had a lot of skills as a writer, as a manager, having spent 20 years uh, going up the ladder in journalism. Uh, so I knew I had skills that could be transposed into the tech industry. I just didn't know what the disciplines were called, what the lingo was inside the teams and so on. And so the first um, job I got was as an SEO writer just writing SEO pages, which uh, you know very well about, a lot about. And uh, from there, I started like uh, doing more of an inside research as I was learning about the industry and learning that lingo that I was referring to, uh, becoming more of an insider. I started to see the different writing uh, disciplines that are uh, in existence. And so that's how I found uh, what then was UX writing and now content design. And I figured out that a lot of the journalistic skills are very valuable for content design. And so that's how I started to, to look for a job there um, because I, I felt like it was a great match for me. Mm. And was it easy for you to kind of adopt to it? Because, you know, you have this background in journalism, obviously you're a good writer, uh, or were there some like, you know, did you have some kind of skills that you really had to learn quickly to make sure that you were good at the job? Like what, what kind of, what came easy to you and what was a bit more challenging? Yeah, uh, 
it was what was easy was to switch from an industry like journalism where there's a lot of or at least there used to be a lot of competition for jobs and I think uh, so many people want to be journalists that companies uh, take advantage of that and don't treat their employees really greatly. They might treat them well, but they don't go out of their way to make them feel uh, super welcome and and, uh, pampered like has happened in the tech industry in the last few years, maybe decades. Uh, uh, The tech industry is an industry where talent is really... uh, fought for and treated well. And so that was the easy part, feeling so valued and feeling so well treated. Uh, it was like night and day from journalism to tech. And so I really appreciate that. Uh, in terms of, of what was hard, I, I would say that just uh, there was a bit of faking it till I made it uh, about what I was saying, learning what things are called, what we're referring to when we're talking about the CTR versus the CTA and stuff like that. We speak in so many acronyms in tech that there's a high, uh, a steep learning curve for someone coming in from a different industry. But I think that was the the, the most important part. And once I, I was starting to feel comfortable with that, I, I felt like I could just, uh, you know, hit the ground running, as they say, talking about acronyms and cliches. And uh, it was pretty comfortable after that. I see. It's really cool. And I know that when you were at SurveyMonkey, you you were participated in also like, I think you were part of like a UX writers group uh, or like a meetup or, or something of that nature. And like, were, did you like have like, like networking groups or like communities that you were a part of that really helped you also kind of learn and, and grow? Yeah. And this is, this was a few years before the pandemic. So it was very different back then. Uh, I love how how easy it is for us to, for example, do a podcast interview today or uh, have a meetup online that you organized uh, uh, totally, completely from your home. And back then, uh, all meetups were in person. And so for me, I had uh, I was uh, I joined one of uh, a UX writers group in San Francisco, which is kind of far for me, like an hour and a half. Uh, but I would go just to start uh, listening to people and see how their jobs, uh, what their jobs look like and so on and get some advice. And that is, uh, for example, one place where I heard someone, uh, a UX writing manager at one of the big companies in, in the Valley, say that journalists are really good UX writers because of their training, their skills, what they have re- learned to do as a, as journalists, right? Like the great example is, uh, they're usually constrained to write very short copy. I think content design or UX writing is way shorter, is even shorter than in journalism, but you have that muscle, right? So uh, those groups helped a lot. And I think currently we're talking about like a different era pretty much. And it's um, it's really great to see how, how easy it is to interact with colleagues at different companies and learn from them and share your experience. Uh, I recently announced a new role uh, on my LinkedIn page. And from that uh, post, a bunch of people replied and I met a bunch of people that are doing the same thing as I'm doing. And uh, we actually organized an an informal meetup a few weeks later. So it's really easy these days to get that experience and and learning from others. Uh, And I I think we're really lucky to be be able to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, And... You know, what advice would you give? So you did a good job of kind of like immersing yourself first, maybe in SEO content, figuring out all the different types of 
content fields that you can join within tech. Like what advice would you give to someone uh, who's, you know, not maybe not sure of which specific kind of subfield to get into. Um, they love writing, um, they love marketing, but they, they just, or, you know, maybe they like UX as well, but I guess like what advice would you give to someone who's a bit more young and just kind of figuring it out in content? Yeah, I think uh, these days it's very easy to find content online about uh, exactly the questions that, that you're asking yourself, right? Can I be a content strategist in marketing? Can I be a product content strategist? Can I be a content designer, etc.? Uh, a lot of people write this kind of content for uh, people trying to switch into content design. I've seen it many, many times, especially because this discipline has grown a lot in the last few years. And so... Um, a lot of people saw the opportunity to, to provide this kind of advice and content. So I, I would say uh, there's a lot to be found on the different platforms that you visit, like Medium or LinkedIn and so on. And the other thing I would say more from a general perspective is just work hard at being a good writer um, and uh, trying out your writing in different uh, disciplines uh, with different goals, in different kinds of media, uh, I was very lucky that in my 20 years as a journalist, I did pretty much everything that you can do. I worked for uh, magazines, uh, websites, newspapers, in paper and online, uh, radio stations, TV stations. I covered sports, politics, uh, business, entertainment, uh, interviewed uh, uh, music artists and uh, movie talent and politicians and, and everything, right? So... Uh, that prepared me for writing about most topics because I know how to research and find the information to write about a topic without uh, with knowledge and also to talk to all sorts of people and also to write in very different kinds of media. So if you can uh, prepare your, yourself for this kind of uh, flexibility in your career, that would that's going to be great because uh, what I always say uh, in hiring processes is a good writer always knows how to swim regardless of which pool they fall in or river or ocean, right? They always will get you good copy. It, it doesn't matter if it's their first uh, email campaign that they have to write or their first uh, online ad or their first UX experience that they're designing. They will give you good copy because they know how to do the research how to find information, how to provide an experience that's true to the consumer, and, and then they know how to write it well. So uh, working hard at being a good writer and being a good like uh, multi-faceted writer, I think is the best advice you can get. Mm -hmm. And I know this is kind of a curveball, but how do you kind of feel about you know chat GPT and all this like AI stuff? Like, do you see it as a threat to your job? Do you just see it as like a brainstorming buddy? Do you see it as just like distraction that's maybe a little bit overhyped? Like, how do you feel about it and in, 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 in relation to kind of your work? Yeah, I think it's all of those things, depending on how you approach it. Um, as the technology advances, there's going to be tasks that the human writer will not have the need to do. So I think it's an opportunity for us to do more strategic things and to think more rather than uh, execute more. If you can get the boring stuff out of the way, 
by giving it to the AI, you know, that's great. And also, of course, I'm scared of the uh, doom scenarios that uh, mm -hmm. people mention, but, you know, I, I, I don't know how that's going to go. So I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, cool. Well, you know, I think I think that's basically all I have. I mean, this has been super helpful for me. Um, and I worked with you and I can attest that you are a super talented writer and, and you've done a lot for me like earlier on in my career. So I'm really happy that we get to catch up a little bit. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, John. And thank you for saying that, of course. I want to thank Diego for coming on and sharing his experiences and wisdom. I hope the conversation was helpful. And if it was, it would mean a lot if you subscribed and gave us a review on whatever app you're listening to this on. I'll talk to you soon.